0: Ask yourself, why do you seek the cup of Christ? Is it for his glory or for yours? I didn't come from the cup of Christ. I came to find my father. When it came time to doing Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, George Lucas wanted Indiana Jones to go after the um, Holy Grail. And I didn't think that was a very exciting MacGuffin. I thought it was static and it was a cup and it would just sit there and... and George said, well, you know, we can do something paranormal about it. We can, hey, why don't we say that if you drink from the cup, you have everlasting life? It's like the fountain of youth. And I said, yeah, that's okay, George, but it's still just going to sit there. Uh, But what I brought to the table was, I said, you know, the Holy Grail is also a metaphor, you know, and and I think the Holy Grail could be a metaphor for bringing together Indiana Jones and his dad. Why don't we make it a father-son story?
1: The relationship between Indy and his father had a real powerful impact on the movies because Before, there was character, but it was mostly action-driven. And the fact that we could do one, which is essentially a character piece with some action in it,
0: um, surprised people. I can almost reach it, Dad. Indiana? Indiana?
1: And students at Marshall College everywhere, welcome to episode number 288. Of Blast Points is Jason and the Scape. It's indie year, still, it's indie year. We're coming to the end of indie year, starting to wrap it up in the final months of indie year. Hard to believe, like, I think, like with everything this year, I feel like we kind of just started it. <laughs> no, I know, it's like we're just getting going, and now it's the fall already. It's autumn Well, this week, I'm so happy we are finally talking about Indiana Jones and The Last Crusade Exclusively talking about Last Crusade One of my favorite indie movies of all time And I have a real soft spot for Last Crusade Gabe, do you remember when you first saw Last Crusade? Because summer of 89 was a very busy time for movies Where were you in May of 89 when Last Crusade came out? I don't remember. I remember seeing it at the theater, and I feel like it's the one maybe that's clearest in my mind of seeing in the theater, because I'm pretty sure I saw that one a few times. Where Temple of Doom, I was young enough, I think I only saw it once in the theater, maybe twice. It's the one that is most vivid in my memory of seeing it in the theater. Oh, wait. What the heck is that? oh wow that's wow that's 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 the blast points phone that absolutely never rings and that's <laughs> yeah that's not the spina number so no no i hope who in the heck is that i just i hope i hope we're not in trouble it's i'm gonna i'm gonna answer this let's let's see what happens here i'm i i, I apologize for this everyone i don't know okay here we go hello Snoke, did we forget about Snoketoberfest? Oh my God! Oh, Snoke, oh, oh. Snoke, we are we are so sorry. I mean, it's it's indie year, and we were talking about Last Crusade. We started getting excited, Snoke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We didn't we didn't mean anything by it. It was just It's Indiana Jones. Sometimes you get you get excited. <laughs> Young yeah, fool. I mean, Snoke, we're sorry. Like, how many times do we have to say we're sorry? We didn't do it on purpose. We just just lost track of time.
0: And look at you. The deed split your spirit to the bone. You were unbalanced. Bested by a girl who had never held a lightsaber. You failed!
1: Okay, Snoke, I can tell you're a little angry, right? So, like, what, what do you want to talk about, Snoke, now that we have you here? Skywalker, <laughs> I assumed... Oh, Skywalker. Is he going to be in Book of Boba Fett? Oh, have you seen something? No. No, No. (laughs) we haven't seen or heard anything. Yeah, we thought you knew. We thought you had the scoops.
0: After the rebels are gone, we will go to his planet and obliterate the entire island.
1: Wow, Snoke, that's a little dark. Yeah, come on. We told you it slipped our mind we forgot we'll still do snoke even though it's indie year you can chill out a little bit such spunk snoke we we really we got to get back to talking about last crusade here because we we you know clock's ticking and we 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 got to do our thing yeah we're running out of time here so we got we got a lot of indie year to get in before 2021 is over and done and Okay. All right, Snoke. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. I hope not. We got book of Boba coming. Come on. Peace out, Snoke. I hope you had a good (laughs) Snoketoberfest.
0: On Wednesday, May 24th, Paramount Pictures invites you to have the adventure of your life. Keeping up with the Joneses. Are you, Harrison Ford. Sean Connery. You call this archaeology? Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade rated PG-13. Starts Wednesday, May 24th with Theaters Everywhere.
1: Yeah, what was your first Last Crusade uh, theatrical experience like? What are your memories of that time? So I think I've told this story on the podcast before. Maybe I have, maybe I haven't. But I think now, finally, all these years later, the story can be told where I skipped school to go see Last Crusade because it opened on a Wednesday And I couldn't handle the fact that my whole family was going to see it that weekend and I would have to wait Wednesday, Thursday, Friday (laughs) to go see Last Crusade. Because I think I tried to sell my parents into somehow taking me on Wednesday and that wasn't happening. And the movie theater it was playing at was the Plaza One and Two in Muskegon, Michigan. And it wasn't too far, actually, walking distance from the school. And so I walked to, I quote, walked to school, but I just kept walking and went to go see Last Crusade and with my backpack on and was terrified. I remember being so scared that I was going to get caught. And I remember like an usher going up and down the aisle. And I was like, oh, my God, they figured out that I'm supposed to be in school. (laughs) And then that week, I didn't get caught. And then that weekend, I had to go see Last Crusade with my whole family and pretend like I was watching it for the first time. When actually, I think I was still just so freaked out that I like skipped school, lied about it. Just the whole list of things that I felt really guilty about. But I guess some things never change. <laughs> yeah, that's that's way more exciting than than my memories of seeing. <laughs> but, all, you know, really with Last Crusade, I think where things really turned for me was, I remember there was a deal where you could get a copy of the VHS from, like, cereal box, of, proof of purchases or something. And I was like, yeah, I want to get Last Crusade. And I remember I got like the vhs for last crusade in the mail like a brand new sealed like mint condition last crusade vhs and i just remember like early 90s watching that movie all the time and like the more and more that i watched last crusade on vhs the more and more that i grew to love it i don't so when i think of last crusade that's Kind of more what I think of is just watching it over and over and over again on VHS. And like I said in the beginning, I have a really, really soft spot for this movie. I really love it. Well, it's always been weird to me when people say they don't like that one. Because it never crossed my mind that anyone would not like that one until like much later when all of a sudden it was like, oh, Last Crusade's no good. Because it like never crossed my mind that that was anything other than... As good as the other two When I think that we talked about that in kind of Temple of Doom too Where as you kind of hear other people's opinions on Temple of Doom You're like, okay, I get, I get where that's coming from And as we're going to get into here when we talk about Last Crusade It's like sometimes I forget how different from Raiders and Temple of Doom Last Crusade kind of is I mean, the action and the, the indie spirit is all there But... As we're going to get into, it introduced things into the Indiana Jones world that didn't exist before. And there's scenes in Last Crusade that never would have been in Raiders or Temple of Doom. It's just a different kind of movie. And maybe that's kind of what makes it stand apart in its own weird way. But I get someone who maybe wanted more of Temple of Doom and that kind of standalone, serial Saturday matinee adventure. I think, yeah, the thing for me is it never felt as different just watching it on its own. But I do think if you, like, very quickly watch one, two, and three in the same week or, the you know, the same couple days, you start to feel the differences more. At least for me, I was like, the last time I had kind of just watched all of them over a week, it was like, oh, yeah, this one does kind of feel different than I remembered it compared to the other two. But any time if I just kind of watch it on its own, it's just like, it's just another Indiana Jones adventure. And maybe some of that is just the fact that they did kind of go back to some of the familiar characters and and the Nazis, and and it has a lot more on the surface in common with Raiders, even though, as we'll get into, the story is quite different and the characterization is quite different. Well, and originally, the roots of Last Crusade, the original ideas, were much more in line with what we saw in Temple of Doom. (laughs) But backing up even before that, so just like in between Raiders and Temple of Doom, Spielberg never slowed down and Spielberg continued to grow and evolve as a filmmaker. Following Temple of Doom, he did The Color Purple. He did Empire of the Sun. He was starting to move into more of the roles of filmmaker he is today. Lucas, though he had retired, quote, retired from directing, he did producing work on Labyrinth and Tucker and Willow and Howard the Duck. So Lucas stayed Very, very busy, but all this time too, Lucas was kind of the one who was like, We got to make another Indiana Jones movie. We got to make Indy 3. He couldn't stop thinking about it. And just six months right after the release of Temple of Doom, Lucas did an eight page story treatment for Indiana Jones and the Monkey King. Well, I think the fun thing seeing these early treatments and early drafts is as much as Spielberg has had kind of grown as a filmmaker and a storyteller, Lucas is kind of still the same crazy old dude. (laughs) And I think that's the interesting dynamic, you know, going from Raiders probably all the way up to Crystal Skull is it's almost like Spielberg kind of continued to grow more into this serious drama type director. And Lucas always kind of stayed as just wanting this crazy stuff to happen. And the way the two of them balance out what Spielberg wants and what Lucas wants is just, I don't know, it's endlessly interesting and fascinating where they end up on in the films because they start out kind of being on the same page with Raiders. And then as it goes on, they're kind of pulling the story back and forth based on kind of who they are as people at that time. And probably the most noticeable in last crusade. Yeah, definitely. Because I- I started thinking about it too. And I'm like, oh, Lucas was so busy doing all like this producing stuff. And I mean, also in there was the insanely dark Ewok movies. Have you ever heard of the Ewok movies? We've never talked about them before on Blast Point, which is kind of weird. <laughs> yeah. You know, how many hours did we spend talking about the dark years and <laughs> the children being taken away and the whole family dies and the kids got to learn about death you know, while Spielberg yeah, was off doing these serious movies, moving as far away from Temple of Doom as humanly possible. Yeah, like you said, George Lucas was still like, well, Indiana Jones could talk to a monkey king. That would be fun. <laughs> right, right. Can we get ghosts in here yet, Stephen? I really want a haunted house. Yeah, let's talk about Indiana Jones and the Monkey King because there's... There's Lucas's original treatment that's just straight Lucas. What was what was the basic premise of Lucas's 1984 idea for Indy 3? Well, you start out in Scotland at a haunted house where there's a murder and the murderer is a ghost just to get you just to get you warmed up. Uh similar to the final film, he uh he meets up with Brody again talking about a zoologist who found an odd race of pygmies that may have discovered a lost Chinese civilization. And there's Nazis again, because of course the Nazis want what Indiana Jones wants. There's pirates. There's literally the monkey King who is a monkey and has magical powers I believe this is the first time there's a lot of gorillas, which is a, is a theme that carries on in a bunch of these drafts. So I couldn't help thinking, you know, George Lucas, and it's always like, we'll move the technology forward. Was the monkey King going to be like a Yoda puppet? Cause the monkey King has to like talk to Indiana Jones and it's a monkey. We're talking, he's writing this in 1984. It would, yeah. I mean, well, how would they even do gorillas in 1984? Like, it's gorillas and a walking, talking Monkey King. I love, what I love about this Monkey King idea is he is just unfazed by the post-Temple of Doom talk. Just, nope, I'm going forward. I'm in it. Like, thought that was crazy. I'm getting crazier. You haven't seen crazy yet. Just Wild. Yeah, because it 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 says the Monkey King is a spider monkey, which is a tiny little skinny monkey. So it's like, yeah, a talking skinny spider monkey and an army of gorillas fighting Nazis. Okay. We've gone quite far from Raves of the Lost Ark here, but we did a whole episode on the Indiana Jones Marvel Comics. That's That's almost too crazy for some of those Marvel comics and the Marvel comics Indiana Jones is flying on a dragon. But the interesting thing is there are little nuggets of last crusade in this because the monkey King has been alive for thousands of years because of a fountain of youth that keeps him alive. So the whole idea of, and I want to say, didn't the Holy grail idea even go back to pre temple of doom at least in some of the kind of story meetings and stuff yeah and lucas was trying to connect the holy grail just no big deal to the haunted house story right in scotland because in well again we should preface and say that a lot of this information that we are talking about here is from the late great J.W. Rensler's making of Indiana Jones book, which is just like his making of Star Wars books. It is the gift that keeps on giving. It is a treasure trove of Indiana Jones information. And there is a memo, like a Lucasfilm memo in the book, right, from the indie legend Debbie Fine and George Lucas, where Lucas, what they're trying to make a connection between the historical accuracy of the Holy Grail and Scotland. Yeah. And that's, again, that's in September, 1984. So it's, I want to say the Grail was first and the Grail kind of inspired having a fountain of youth in the monkey King because Spielberg still wasn't hot on the Grail yet. And even with these, completely bonkers ideas. Lucas is not slowing down, and they hire Chris Columbus, hot-off gremlins, also from the summer of 84, to write Indy 3, and it has the Indiana Jones title that rolls right off the tongue. You're never going to forget it. Indiana Jones and the Lost City of Sung Woo Kung. Also a different name for the monkey king. So they're just trying to class up the monkey king a little bit, but it's still Indiana Jones and the monkey king. Let's talk about Indiana Jones and the lost city of Sun Wukong, the Chris Columbus draft that never saw the way of day. Because if you thought the Lucas outline was crazy, Chris Columbus took it to a whole nother level. Yeah. Somehow Chris Columbus made it crazier in every dimension because it's more outrageous It's potentially more offensive. It's kind of more of everything. Because there's now a female archaeologist named Dr. Claire Clark who found the pygmies. There is also, I believe, another female character. Uh, Is is she a student of his named Betsy who's in love with Indiana Jones? Yeah. And she's hilariously suicidal. (laughs) Yeah. Comedy gold. There's nothing funnier than threatening suicide to the person you love. Repeatedly. Hilarious. But some things never change. There's still a Monkey King, but this new Monkey King is half human, half monkey, who comes back to life. And his skeleton, it says, was animated by gorillas who turn into the hair on his bones. (laughs) So not only is there a monkey king walking and talking, he morphs from a skeleton into a monkey king and then changes back into a skeleton according to this after giving uh, away his magical monkey king staff to to Indiana Jones, right? He gives the magical monkey king staff to Indy. Yes. But that this in this draft, he gives the staff to Indy but it it breaks in the end and Indy escapes and actually marries Dr. Claire in this one. A little bit of Crystal Skull in there. Yeah, and there, were, it looks like there were two, at least two Columbus drafts that kind of changed things. Because eventually in his second draft, Betsy's no longer there trying to commit suicide. But there's a new character named Dash who's working with the Nazis. Is Does Dash have a ship called the Outrider? <laughs> maybe, maybe he does. Maybe he doesn't. Um, and we can't forget that yeah the monkey king when he came back to life uh, it's not from the fountain of youth they're magic peaches and they it only works on people who are pure of heart because the bad guys eat a peach and they die magic peaches indiana jones and the magic fruit makes total sense Magic peaches. Imagine if the peaches were a thing. Would peaches be forever associated with Indiana Jones? Like, what if I finally get to ride the Indiana Jones ride at Disneyland this summer? Can I bring a peach and just give a little shout, a little quiet shout out and test to see if I'm pure of heart? I, I think so. I think you could. Just think you would have been able to go to the grocery store and there would have been cans of Indiana Jones and the lost city of sun wukong peaches and every day for lunch you could have cracked open a can of indiana jones peaches do you know how many peaches i would have eaten in the late 80s early 90s just because i wanted to test if i was pure of heart (laughs) you would have been like mom dad i'm gonna live forever and you would have been dead in two years from eating so many peaches yeah, would, there would be no blast points. There'd be no episode 288 here because he died very early. Too many peaches. <laughs> yeah, there'd just be news cl- newspaper clippings. Muskegon teen dies of too many peaches. Oh, it's, it's true. It's true. <laughs> yeah. It's, his parents buried him in a in a tin can. And I like peaches too. I do. I like do you like peaches? Yeah. Yeah. They're good. Fresh peaches, canned peaches, peach pie—it's all good. Oh, peach pie, mm. Mm. peach cobbler—that's what I'm talking about. Put some ice cream on that. You—you you would only be—it's like, mom, dad, I can only take a bath in a sweet syrup, <laughs> and it's true. Sad thing is, it's true. Summer fruits, it wouldn't be summer without them. Nothing says summer like fresh California peaches, fresh from the tree. Taste them insane. See. California peaches taste as good as summer feels. You won't want to miss them this summer.
0: Nature's way is fine. Sunshine on tree. California peaches.
1: Are- but also, we can't forget the wonderful Nazis introduced. There was the, the big bad guy, uh, Lieutenant Werner von Mephisto, <laughs> and his associate, Helmut. Gutterbug. Oh, <laughs> Gutterbug who has a uh a mechanical machine gun arm. And I think in the early in the early draft, um and later on, I think in the in the second draft maybe, he fires electrical bursts from his meta- mechanical arm into a lake, electrocuting himself, <laughs> which, you know, that sounds outrageous and that sounds crazy and we got, you know, magical peaches and all that stuff, but The Nazi with a machine gun arm is a leftover idea from Raiders of the Lost Ark. Hey, Indy 5, right? They just pushed it back another year because I think they, they figured out, wait a minute, we don't have a Nazi with a machine gun arm. Indies, just like Star Wars, no idea ever gets thrown away. It's just waiting in the wings for its time to shine or it's time to electrocute some water. But then after Chris Columbus, they bring in another writer, right? Yes. So they finally are like, let's get serious about this Indiana Jones 3 thing. Spielberg, I think, trying to (laughs) rope in some of this insanity, brings in Menno Meas, who just worked with Spielberg on The Color Purple and Empire of the Sun feels like he would bring him in to kind of (laughs) class up this insanity that was going on. George Lucas was just over at Skywalker Ranch just getting a little crazy with some of this indie stuff. And yeah, in 1986, he begins working on a new script. He completed it 10 months later. The big thing that Menomeas introduces is the idea of of bringing in Indiana Jones's father and making the whole MacGuffin of The Last Crusade, or Indy 3, the Holy Grail. But this early version of Indy 3 is still very different. Like, there's Indiana Jones on the Orient Express. He goes to Istanbul. There's a Nazi villain named Greta von Grimm, Which I feel like is a little bit of a precursor to both Dr. Elsha Schneider and Spalco, Stalin's fair-haired girl. But there still is, in Menomea's version of Indy 3, a little bit more of the ridiculous than what finally ended up on screen, right? Yeah, this first draft still has has the wild stuff. There's a part where, uh, you know, the Nazi character uh, Von Grimm, she touches the grail and... Actually, she's a he early on, and then she then he becomes a she. I think earlier she was a Balder, Baron Balder von Grimm, <laughs> and at that point, instead of you know drinking out of the wrong cup and becoming very old, he touches the Grail and explodes. And it says when when uh, Indy's dad touches the Grail, a stairway to heaven appears, which he ascends. Just think about that. <laughs> You know, I'm kind of into it, you know. I'm 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 not I'm not ruling that idea out. For all we know, Indy Five ends with Indy ascending the stairway to heaven. <laughs> I will stand up in the theater. <laughs> Best movie I've ever seen in my whole life. And don't forget, there's also a, a nun character who was going to take the stairway to heaven, but her love for Indiana Jones makes her stay. I I can relate. Yeah. There's a part where Indiana Jones at the Grail site fights a demon and he kills the demon with a <laughs> dagger. And the on the dagger, it says God is king. And then the uh, it ends with uh, the now female Greta von Grimm again being vaporized by the Grail. So, you know, also a little bit of Spelko. Uh, you could, yeah, a lot of bit of Spelko at that point. Yeah, they couldn't resist the exploding villain. They just had to keep ramping it up. In the prologue in the Menomea's script too, the little adventure in the beginning, Indiana Jones is in Mexico battling for possession of Montezuma's death mask with a man who has gorillas as pets. So still, George Lucas could not let go of this gorillas idea. He had a short list of things that had to stay in the script, and gorillas were definitely in that short list. But what in the Chris Columbus version, isn't there the whole part at the end where Indy is riding a rhino? Yeah. Oh, we almost forgot about that part. Yes. Which they did get a rhino in Last Crusade in the circus train. So We also forgot to mention that the Chris Columbus draft had a giant prototype Nazi... Tank that is like as tall as a three-story building. Of course. Of course. Why why and why wouldn't it? So finally, after all of that insanity, another writer is hired, Jeffrey Bohm. He just did two of the Lethal Weapon movies and he did Inner Space. Space was an Amblin production. Finally, Jeffrey Bohm comes on and really starts to hone in on what Indie 3 is. They have their usual big like multi-day story treatment thing where they hash it out. The title is just figured out, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. And writing with Jeffrey Bohm, Lucas comes up with a new story outline idea. So finally, Indy 3 starts to chill out a little bit, and it starts to become Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. It starts to better, like we said in the beginning, represent... Who Steven Spielberg was at that time, because in 1988 or 87, whenever all this was getting going, he was not the same person he was when he made Rares of the Lost Ark or Temple of Doom. (laughs) Kathy Kennedy has a great quote in the Rinsler book about it, where she says it was an interesting evolution. When we started this series, we were all in the early points in our careers. Harrison, by the time we got to the third Indiana Jones, had become an enormous star. Steven had made E.T. in a number of successful movies and become an enormous star. But what was fascinating in which the way everyone comes together, none of it seemed to impact the dynamics of movie making because all of us had such a good time. It was always about the experience on that film. And there is I think people talk about it a lot the back and forth with the Indiana Jones movies like there you always hear that like Raiders is more Spielberg Temple of Doom is more of Lucas Last Crusade is more Spielberg and then Crystal Skull is more of Lucas again and maybe there is truth to that maybe I don't know Well in the Indiana Jones films too are really like the film equivalent of like a supergroup band that's just a bunch of people who are very successful on their own kind of teaming up to do something because like Kathy Kennedy saying at this point, Harrison Ford is a huge star. George Lucas is a huge star. Spielberg is a huge star. They bring in Sean Connery, who is an incredibly huge star and all the crew from the previous films is back. And they're all have been making stuff all this time. Like it really is like the best of the best kind of all working together and and putting aside potentially huge egos to come together to make this film. When you, you mentioned Connery, like, the addition of Sean Connery, his performance, the way the character is written, just everything about Professor Henry Jones, I think just elevates Last Crusade into another level. I mean, Sean Connery in this movie is so good and Sean Connery himself was such an icon, but he's so good in this movie that every time I watch it, I don't even think I'm watching Sean Connery. I just think I'm watching Professor Henry Jones. It's it's amazing how similar it is to Harrison Ford is Indiana Jones, too, because Harrison Ford is Harrison Ford in like every movie. It's Harrison Ford, but when he puts the indie hat on, it's Indiana Jones. And the way that Harrison Ford brought so much of the charm and character to Indiana Jones and Raiders and made him the character we all love, as opposed to what was in the script, it seems like Sean Connery did the same thing with his father as, as much as, you know, Lucas thought of him as more of a, as a Yoda, a more stuffy professor type, and that so much of the character of him came from Sean Connery's performance and Sean Connery's ideas for the script behind the scenes. When I love that Lucas originally was against the casting of Sean Connery, because what does he say? Oh, everyone's just going to think, Oh, James Bond. But I mean, there's kind of the behind the scenes kind of wink wink thing that yeah, the father of Indiana Jones is James Bond. And it was Connery's Bond movies that inspired them to do, or at least Spielberg, to get the conversation going for the creation of Indiana Jones. The Lucas says that he imagined Henry Jones as being more, yeah, like a Yoda or an Obi-Wan type. But then when I read that, I was like, well, he is kind of an Obi-Wan. I mean, write the gray beard and you think of Obi-Wan and A New Hope maybe not an Ewan McGregor Obi-Wan but like just if you go strictly by a New Hope Obi-Wan I mean you could see the connection between Henry Jones Sr and Obi-Wan Ben Kenobi well and and you can even see the the whole kind of master padawan relationship that came later in the prequels being the same sort of father son bickering and relationship from the Joneses, even with, with Obi-Wan and Anakin or even Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan. It's no secret that Steven Spielberg and George Lucas, a lot of their films deal with father issues. I don't know if anybody's noticed that ever, but it's all over the place in last crusade. It's pretty front and center. I mean, I think of one of my favorite scenes in last crusade is the blimp scene. Where it's that great conversation between two great actors Literally talking about their feelings Well, at least Indy is Kind of talking about the way he feels What's going on in Indiana Jones' heart You
0: know, sharing your adventures is an interesting experience It's not always shared It's disgraceful You're old enough to be her, her, her grandfather I'm as human as the next man I was the next man. (laughs) Ships that pass in the night. You remember the last time we had a quiet drink? Mm -hmm. I had a milkshake. Mm -hmm. What did we talk about? We didn't talk. We never talked. Do I detect a rebuke? It was just the two of us dad it was a lonely way to grow up for you too if you'd been an ordinary average father like the other guys dads you'd have understood that actually i was a wonderful father did i ever tell you to eat up go to bed wash your ears do your homework no i respected your privacy and i taught you self-reliance What you taught me was that I was less important to you than people who'd been dead for 500 years in another country. And I learned it so well that we've hardly spoken for 20 years. You left just when you were becoming interesting. Unbelievable. Dad, I'm here. I'm here now. What do you want to talk about? Hmm? can't think of anything then what are you
1: complaining about and like we were saying in the beginning of the episode like could you imagine that anywhere in temple of doom that's what last crusade brought to indiana jones and it's there in crystal skull it was there in young indiana jones it's most definitely probably going to be there in indy 5 i mean even when people what's going to happen in indiana jones 5 whenever it comes out in 10 years or whatever you know, there's always the conversations now of was well, Indy still married and what does this mean? And it's it's not we're, we're not going into Indy five just thinking purely of it's another just standalone wacky adventure, which it's going to be wacky and weird. But we're also thinking of the character of Indy and how much we care about him now. Yeah, because really Last Crusade kind of changes the course of the indie movies forever for for better or worse as far as morphing in them into something different than a james bond movie or a a story about an invincible guy who's the best at what he does and travels the world just getting things done like it's now actually a movie with a character who has feelings and talks about their feelings and it's almost a little bit of a drama and not just this, like, a, a classic James Bond, he starts the movie, he's the best, and he ends the movie, and he's the best. When I love how in Last Crusade 2, Indy says over and over again, I'm not looking for the grail. Like, Indy isn't really too concerned about the grail, finding the grail, and what that means. He says to Walter Donovan, like, you got the wrong Jones. And he says to you know, the Brotherhood of the Cruciform Sword... I don't care about the grail, I just want my father. And I love that about Last Crusade, that for Indy, the treasure that he's seeking, he's a treasure hunter, but is that acceptance from his dad that he never got. And then finally, when they do get the grail, and, you know, Henry has spent his whole life searching for this grail and his diary and all that, that wonderful, wonderful part at the end when they ask Henry Jones Sr., well, what did you find, Dad?, Elsa never really believed in the grail. She thought she'd found a prize.
0: What did you find, Dad? Me.
1: Illumination. When we first meet Henry, and he's writing in his diary, "'May he who illuminate this illuminate me.'" That the quest for the grail then brought this father and son back together. And suddenly the Indiana Jones whole thing, like the search for treasure, like I was saying, it takes on this new meaning. And I love it. I love that about it. And it all started with an army of gorillas. <laughs> and that magical friendship between Spielberg and Lucas was able to turn Indy riding a rhino, an army of gorillas into a movie about a father and son reconnecting. It's amazing. (laughs) It's like the magic of movie making at the most extreme. It's kind of like what Kathy Kennedy said in that quote, too. They were different people from when they did Raiders. And, you know, Lucas was a father when they were doing Last Crusade. Their priorities had changed. Their lives were changed. But yeah, their friendship was still rock solid, though, and George Lucas's obsession with... (laughs) (laughs) Small talking creatures never changed. Last Crusade 2, there's so many great things about it. It has some of the best action scenes of any indie movie, in my opinion. The boat chase, the motorcycle chase, which once you watch the motorcycle chase and think that it was all filmed in and around Skywalker Ranch, you'll never be able to stop thinking of that whenever you watch that part. The tank chase... Absolutely classic. The little college greeting that Marcus Brody and Henry give each other when, when they're in the tank together. Solid gold. Ah!
0: Ah! The genius
1: of the restoration.
0: Adaro resuscitation.
1: And Last Crusade is kind of special, too, because it was the summer of 89, you know, the summer of Batman and Ghostbusters 2... But it was right kind of at the edge of when computer effects kind of moved into blockbusters. I mean, this was May and I what, I think was it August or something? The Abyss came out, and then just two years later was T2, and nothing ever was the same ever again. And yeah, Last Crusade is kind of one of the last of the old school ILM model shop map painting extravaganzas. And it still looks outstanding. Like the 4K transfer of Last Crusade that just came out is gorgeous. Yeah, it's really, it looks really good. The the subtle adjustments they did to some of those effect shots, they just, they look so good without actually changing them, just kind of adjusting the colors a little bit. Those 4K versions are really, really hot. It's like I say all this with this, all this, Last Crusade love because I feel like sometimes Last Crusade gets overlooked because it's not Raiders of the Lost Ark. It wasn't the movie that came out and surprised everyone. It's not Temple of Doom, the the wild middle sibling that no one still knows what to do with. It's just kind of this great, beautiful, sentimental, heartfelt third movie. And it I, in my opinion it doesn't get a lot of the credit it should. And it's not Crystal Skull, which who knows what's going on with that. <laughs> well, and I think that's that's the beauty of the Indiana Jones movies of of seeing the progression of of the character and and the films of how Last Crusade is like this transition period from what the films were into something more about family and character, and and that the family and character stuff carries over into crystal skull with him now having a son and reconnecting with marion but then it also at the same time veers back into temple of doom outrageousness so trying to plot that trajectory into what will indiana jones 5 be i have no idea (laughs) (laughs) and being the first one without really lucas or spielberg involved it's going to be really really interesting to see which from the previous films that they gravitated to and draw from and and, and is this going to follow that progression of it being a lot about indiana jones the person more so than just a globe-trotting adventure what did, what has james mangold taken out of uh, the past indie films and i don't know when i think there's a clear line you can draw to from last crusade to spielberg's next big blockbuster movie Jurassic Park I think they're movies that kind of feel the same kind of look the same have the same kind of spirit to them yeah that with Last Crusade that is kind of the the beginning of Spielberg making movies that are still these huge blockbuster action movies but having a lot more heart and character relationships be at the core while still having the big thrills. And most important, Dr. Fantasy, Frank Marshall. Finally, it finally worked in Last (laughs) Crusade, right? (laughs) Yeah. Again, it's Amanda's birthday. They're having a party. And of course, Dr. Fantasy has to be there. And this time, it sounds like he had a giant sheet cake and there was a springboard and he springboarded into the air, onto the cake, and this time there was laughter. Finally, no tears. Dr. Fantasy was a success. And Dr. Fantasy was actually immortalized in the film when River Phoenix is going through the train, but the, the last little caboose part he goes into, magic? It, what does it say on there? Dr. Fantasy's caboose of magic? and <laughs> how How would we have ever known what that... Even was at the time. I'm glad we finally, all these years later, know why it was, it was Dr. Fantasy. But yeah, if it's been a while since you've gone back to Last Crusade, put it on again. It never gets old. Wonderful from beginning to end. ¶¶
0: We are actually going into a couple of theaters opening weekend and hearing the audience laughing. I think it was, in a way, it was the funniest of the three. It got many more laughs than Raiders of the Lost Ark, And, of course, many more laughs than Temple of Doom, which didn't get that many laughs at all. But I thought in terms of audience participation, the most successful of the three movies, if you just listen to the audience laugh and clap in certain places as the movie, you know, went along was the last crusade. Just see Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Be Indiana Jones and take on six new adventures. Call 1-900-990-Indy on your Touchstone phone to play the Indiana Jones telephone adventure game. Every caller can write in for a great Indy photo certificate. It's only $2.50 a call. Kids, check with your parents before calling. You call this archaeology? Take on the challenge and don't miss Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Ready PG-13. Starts Wednesday, May 24th at Theaters Everywhere.
1: today. you know the deal with apple podcast reviews you've heard us say it before when you get done listening to this if you listen on something apple go over there write something nice it helps the show in weird ways brings warm feelings to our heart and we love 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 reading them and make sure you check out our website lastpointspodcast.com. and you are following us on instagram twitter and facebook and if you're on facebook make sure you're a member of our super chill group if you want to support the show in a different way, we've got the Blast Points Army on Patreon where we have a brand new installment of our ongoing series where we are breaking down the classic episode one documentary, The Beginning, in 10-minute chunks. The episodes aren't 10 minutes. They're like 45 minutes an hour, but we're only talking about minutes 30 through 40 in this newest episode. So a, lot, a lot happens in that 10 minutes. Part four of our Anthology on the beginning, and yeah, this this one uh, things get serious, and in a month, two months actually, that's going to be where all of our Book of Boba recap episodes are going to be over on the Patreon. So pray for us, light a candle for <laughs> us right now because we're going we're not going to make it. Yeah, starting right away in 2022, it is going to be Book of Boba time over on Patreon. It's going to be a lot of boba talk going on. And have you seen We've Got New T-Shirts? Ben Burt and Indiana the Dog. It's the fashion accessory of the decade. It's perfect for first dates, conventions, dinners with the in-laws. It works for Indie Year. It works for Phantom Menace Year. It works for Saga Year. If you want to be at the grocery store and just randomly explain to people who Ben Burt is, it's great for that. If you want to explain why this dog is important if you even need to it's a cute dog you can leave it at that check out blastpointspodcast.com for the link to get some because it's a limited edition and there's only a little bit left but that wraps up number 288 indie year talking about Last Crusade did I mention that I love Last Crusade? Just once or twice it's alright we'll be back next week with another all new episode folks so until then thank you all Thank you, everybody. Bye-bye.
0: Anything goes. And what did you find, Junior? Junior, Dad... Jeez, what does it always mean? Is this Junior? That's his name, Henry Jones Jr. Like Indiana, we named the Dog Indiana. May we go home now, please? The dog? <laughs> you are named after the dog. I've
1: <laughs> got a lot of fond memories of that dog.
0: <laughs> Ready? <laughs> Ready? Indy, Henry, follow me. I know the way. Ha! Got lost in his own museum, huh? Uh Uh-huh. After you, Junior. Yes, sir. Ah! Henry Jones.